Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, you guys, welcome back once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Very excited for you guys on the program today. Why? Because sometimes I bring you guys marketing practitioners, marketing leaders to share their recipes of success with you, what they're doing at their companies. And sometimes I bring you authors that have documented and put a recipe book together for you. Well, today you get both in one person. I'm very excited to bring onto the program Lisa Cole, who has just written The Revenue Ramp. Lisa, hello there. How are you? I'm well. How are you, David? I am well, but not as well as you are because you told me this is your last call of the day, your last Zoom session of the day, and then you were heading out on vacation. What a great way to celebrate your book launch. Official date for the book launch was June 15th, 2021, right? It is. It is. Um, for you guys, couple little couple little gifts for you as a special being part of the Demand Gen Radio or Demand Gen TV community. I'm going to link in the show notes below uh, resources around Lisa's book, but we would also like to extend a, a few copies to you as I like to do whenever we have an author on. So if you would like a copy of Lisa's book, drop me a note on LinkedIn. Just send me a message. Don't feel like you can't ask for one. And I always make this point to you guys. Lisa, it's funny, like I'll offer books. Not that many people follow up. There's there's not that many people either that are reading books these days or feel like I can't ask Dave for a book. I don't mind. I love sharing knowledge and expertise in these fields. And it's great to have Lisa on the program. So if you'd like a copy of her book, we'll get a few copies out uh, to you. And if you want, just click on the show notes. Lisa, let's ask you the big question. You lead marketing at a company. You're a pretty busy person. And somehow during the pandemic, you decided to write a book on marketing and how to activate your your revenue ramp. Uh, tell me the backstory of, of where the book came from and how you started writing it. Well, I, years ago, I was a marketing strategist and CMO advisor, and I had been really helping these uh, marketing leaders transform their marketing functions from uh, really cost centers, activity-based functions to uh, profit generating revenue engines. And I had been using the same framework uh, for nearly two decades with these clients. Um, and when the world stopped turning, and that's exactly what it did, um, aside from obviously focusing on making sure that my own organization's house was in order, um, you know, I, I started actually doing research, asking my peers what it is that they were doing. How are they making this shift? Uh, paying attention to what the research analyst firms were saying, you know, what marketers should do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it very quickly dawned on me that the framework that I had been using for many years to transform marketing functions suddenly was really relevant and would be very helpful to the marketers that found themselves in this incredibly difficult position. Either uh, they were very new to the role and needed to have an impact quickly, or they had already been in the role and were suddenly under this extraordinary pressure to deliver more with fewer resources. Um, and so I decided to dust off this book that I had started many years before uh, and get it out to market in hopes that I could help other marketing leaders. Nice. Well, it um, makes sense. And thank goodness uh, that you got the inspiration to finish a project like that, that you started, you know, being an advisory role 
in creating that. that that was that was the impetus for me creating my book manufacturing demand back in in 2012 i really felt like i needed to put a recipe book together as you did to help marketers um, know what methodologies to apply to improve their demand generation efforts and i'm so glad that you went back and finished the journey that you were on was it hard to get the book restarted rebooted or did you just sink right back into it no i synced right back into it again because the framework had been uh, you know applied many times through the years in fact over the course of two decades for companies across industries it was just a matter of uh, getting it down if you will um, and really from there there might have been some minor tweaks in terms of you know just thinking about the available channels to accelerate you know the demand engine if you will uh, that part wasn't the challenge uh, from there it was just a matter of getting it produced nice well yeah. tell us what it's about the revenue ramp you and I talked a little bit but I've got that inside track I, I love the fact that you came up with a word slash acronym but it but it's a word and it it's it it supports very well what we're trying to achieve in marketing uh and we're all on the quest to to make sure that marketing is not viewed as a cost center uh although right. i don't know if you want to share some insights but the during the pandemic there are those the haves and haves nots right there are those who had their budget and those who got their their budgets cut but what's uh what is the revenue ramp, as you explain in, in the book? Well, it's, it really is uh, a framework that has one simple outcome. How do you actually uh, essentially build a ramp that will enable your organization to accelerate revenue growth? And it was really written for, I wrote it with four different situations in mind. One is, you know, you're a marketing leader whose team is kind of viewed as the make it pretty, the, the brand, the, you know, I guess you could say the production team. Uh, and you found yourself very quickly uh, trying to defend your budget. Um, in fact, you more than likely um, had a fairly significant cut to your budget, probably to the degree of 25% or more. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, there was increased pressure to figure out how to get more stuff done. Yeah. Uh, so just do more activities. The second is there were a number of marketing leaders that actually shifted or moved from one company to another during this crazy time um, and immediately found themselves under extremely high pressure to hit the ground running and demonstrate a meaningful impact within that first 90 to 120 days. Well, what's the fastest way to have a, a meaningful, positive impact in your company? How do you get there faster? Mm -hmm. uh, the third you were already well establishing your role. Um, you did find that your budget was under pressure, um, but you found that you had fewer channels and fewer tactics to use to generate leads. And at the same time, sales, you know, in their desperation to return the company to pre-pandemic revenue growth, uh, needed and were demanding more leads. And it was in that moment when you realize I've I'm already delivering a high number of leads and nothing's happening with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you jumpstart that engine? Um, and then finally, there are the marketing leaders that, you know, didn't necessarily have their budgets cut, but they noticed that because of that significant buying shift, the results of their campaigns that were already in market were plummeting. 
mm-hmm. and all of the leads that they had been delivering to sales somehow had stalled um, and they needed a way to kind of jumpstart those. The revenue ramp provides you with an easily executable framework to essentially identify you know, those sales and marketing processes that were leading to leaking leads, right? wasting leads, uh, driving better alignment cross-functionally uh, so that you have the support and buy-in that you need uh, to make sure that the leads that are created actually do result in a sale. Of course, how do you mobilize your collective team? And that's the third piece. How do you mobilize your collective team to shift and focus from quantity to quality and being more programmatic? And then knowing that the buying preferences have changed, where do you invest in a way that really does propel your collective organization forward? So the big question I have for you, Lisa, is uh, it's called the revenue ramp. And where does it get its name? Well, uh, the revenue ramp, aside from just to, you know, obviously describing what it takes to accelerate revenue growth, it's, it enables your organization. At the end of the day, the ramp actually stands for review, align, mobilize, and propel. So you're going to review your marketing and sales processes for uh, to identify inefficiencies and areas where you might be wasting more demand than you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, it stands for align, and this is where you'll gain organizational buy-in and support for shifting from quantity to quality and for clear measurable alignment on what the key drivers are for return to revenue growth. Critical. Third is all on how you would mobilize your team and your assets to quickly address your most urgent leaks in your revenue pipeline and generate some quick wins for your business. And then finally, this stands for Propel. And this is where you'll improve your findability, you'll accelerate demand, and prove your business impact. And so when you bring it together, the revenue ramp is reviewing, aligning, mobilizing, propelling your organization. I like it. I'm glad you talked about alignment. And one of the things that I have started talking about and we'll talk a lot more about in the weeks and months and years to come is the alignment beyond the alignment between marketing and sales. We we certainly, that is, that's critical. I'm not saying we're going away from that. It's important, but I'd love to get your thoughts about my belief that we need to align the CIO and the CMO and the CRO and even the CFO uh, in addition to, uh, of course, the CEO. But that alignment across that uh, leadership team is more vital than ever. Why? Because, let's face it, marketing is is in larger organizations outspending the CIO. Uh, marketing's built almost like a shadow IT organization within marketing due to the tech stack and MarTech stack. Uh, I don't think CMOs, CFOs necessarily know uh, where all those investments and the importance of those investments are going, which which can lead to budget cuts. So when you talk about alignment in the book as part of RAMP, the A in RAMP, um, where's your direction in terms of alignment? It truly is across all functional groups. And, and I've spent my entire career advocating for true marketing and sales alignment. So I don't want to underestimate the importance of that. But when you think about the shifting from quantity to quality and the shifting from, uh, you know, being viewed as a, you know, the doers of things, a function that makes things 
you know, branded and pretty, or, you know, they, I guess you could say the admin support function for sales. When you think about shifting from this activity-based organization to really being on the hook for and driving uh, profitable revenue growth in a predictable way, you've really got to bring everyone along for the ride. You've identified that. You know, I'm not quite sure how marketing can shift from activity uh, to driving or serving as the revenue engine for a company without having the underlying infrastructure uh, and the data required to fuel that engine. And so, you know, I, I believe your CIO should be your best friend within yeah. the organization uh, because well that infrastructure is just so critical. Yeah. Uh, the other um, oftentimes overlooked partner is the head of HR. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about the talent and the skill set and the knowledge and candidly the engagement that you need uh, from your marketing organization and those that surround you that inherit what it is that you're creating in market, um, you know, that employer brand and attracting the right talent and being able to retain that talent, particularly in this environment that we're in today, that's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know that we can, we can't go it alone. We need that support um, and partnership with HR. Yeah. Uh, there's operations too. When you think about the promises that, you know, we make or the brand makes in market and the demand that we're creating and fueling the pipeline with, if we can't deliver on our promises that we've made um, in the ways that, you know, we've committed it, that experience to be, you know, we're only going to be wasting that demand and making it harder to generate or create more demand in the future. So that that relationship's incredibly important. Finance, uh, you know, certainly uh, when you think about, uh, you know, the CFO and where they need to invest the dollars, the available dollars to accelerate profitable revenue growth and do it in a predictable way, uh, when you think about the challenge that they have in terms of do I, you know, if I have funds to invest to drive the top line do i give it to marketing or do i give it to sales sales is just so measurable uh, even if you know, that cfo were to give 10 million dollars to sales to accelerate revenue growth and they use that to go and hire more headcount it's measurable and the belief is even if one of the 10 sellers that they might hire in that bucket hits it out of the park and the other nine do not, at least they understand why. Um, and, and so the partnership with the head of finance needs to happen to help them understand what role marketing can play and then being able to uh, show that connectivity, creating that integrated view of that revenue pipeline and then delivering in a way that drives that business impact, connecting those dots is critical. All of those partnerships matter. The aligned piece of this framework talks about how do you bring those other functional groups uh, really uh, into the fold and bought in. And, and candidly, how do you turn them into evangelistic advocates for this shift from quantity to quality? It is possible. Um, uh, years ago, my last adventure uh, we had transformed the marketing function and won an award for that transformation. And when we were on the stage at uh, Serious Decisions for our keynote presentation to accept that award, 
the two people on that stage with me was the head of IT and the head of HR. And the three of us presented, you know, what it was to transform the business and transform marketing and the lessons that we had learned together. Um, Love that. I, I just think that's critical. Yeah. And if this is something that you guys struggle with, you know, consider, like I said, connecting with Lisa on LinkedIn, you certainly can reach out to me because brokering, you know, helping you form a better relationship with the CIO and the CTO uh, is critical. You know, one of the reasons that DemandGen joined forces with BDO Digital uh, in March of this year was because, you know, the, the BDO Digital had such a, Lisa said, you know, performing tremendous services for the CIO and for organizations with all of their uh, back office functions, systems, CRM systems, and all that. And so by us coming together, we not only could help uh, align these two teams together, but also integrate the systems because so much of marketing systems are disconnected from the backend systems, systems, the product systems. Uh, and so, you know, the, the whole is greater than some of the parts when you, when you do that. I want to talk with you about, I had a call the other day. Uh, CMO of a large company. And Lisa, the, the burnout that you mentioned and what marketers were feeling. I mean, I think if we weren't two guys feeling feeling pretty macho with each other on the call, not, not that we were feeling that way, like I think he would have been in tears. I, I uh, and, and the reason I say that is he was just saying, you know, Dave, I, I want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, sure. And he's like, I'm so burnt out. I am just absolutely fried. And I was listening before I told him, by the way, I have this call every week with a different marketing leader, but I just wanted to listen. Felt like it was time on the couch for him and, and listening mode for me. And I said, tell me about that. And he goes, we're working harder than we've ever worked. I'm pushing my team harder than I've ever pushed them. I'm losing people. Uh, and I said, why? And he, and he said, well, because the job market is what it is uh, and people are making moves for more money or they're moving because they're now remote. So I have less people or I'm just turning through a lot of people. I'm constantly under pressure to drive revenue and drive demand. And I said, uh-huh. And again, we talked about, have you felt this way in your role for some time? Yes. Have you felt this way at other companies at a point. Yep. I looked on his LinkedIn profile and saw that time of the year that he normally makes changes. And one of the things I wanted to say to all of you was take a look at your LinkedIn profile, the dates of when you made changes. And if you're feeling right now, it's time for change. Chances are it's in that three month cyclical period where you're checking your temperature. You're saying, how am I feeling? But the point where I wanted to bring the conversation to is you, you talked a lot about this with me when we first talked about the book and what's, what's the cure? Because I'm worried about every CMO. I'm worried about every head of marketing. I'm even worried about their marketing teams because the daunting responsibility of marketing these days in an organization from the creative to the leadership, to the tech stack, to the alignment now with the CIO, the CFO, the, the CRO, uh, it is probably, I think it's one of the hardest jobs in corporate America. Yeah, uh, it, without a doubt. And by the way, you know, earlier when I was talking about what really prompted me to pull this book together, uh, it was that, 
right? It was just this perfect storm where the world stopped and everything we had, or at least what we were used to, was completely challenged. The perfect storm, right? So increased pressure to deliver results. Yeah. And, and many CEOs communicated to their CMOs, hey, while the world is somewhat disrupted, now it's time to get your house in order. And so if you had any strategic initiatives that were planned, you were pushed to accelerate those. And so your team was under that pressure. And then sales. It, sales may or may not have been depending on you prior to the pandemic. They sure as heck probably turned to you and were really putting pressure to deliver more leads because they were under mounting pressure. And so you've got that. And then CFOs turning, if you look at Gardner's study, the very first bucket that the CFOs seemed to turn to happened to be the marketing budget, mm -hmm. whether that was a complete freeze for a period of time yeah. or a significant cut on average, anywhere from 11 to 25%, just like that. And so how do you get your house in order? How do you make this huge pivot to try to meet buyers where they are now? Yeah. How do you deliver more leads to sales and, and do so in a way where your team doesn't feel completely overwhelmed? And oh, by the way, that team already sees that you're more than likely delivering hundreds or thousands of leads that aren't progressing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of my team members um, in the past had basically said, there's nothing more crushing to a marketer than delivering what's expected of them, having that wasted, ignored, dropped, or mishandled, and then put under more pressure to deliver more of it. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe just all the conversations I was having with my peers, my current team, the team that I had led in a, you know, in a past life, we're all feeling the exact same way. Mm -hmm. How do you do more with less? And I think the answer, the solution is we've got to shift uh, help our organizations shift their mindset from more quantity to quality and impact yeah. uh, and working together. And the only way that we can do that as marketing leaders is if we get a little help from our friends. Those other roles you talked about, CIOs, uh, CFOs, uh, even the you know head of HR, that all of these, your peers really do need to help you mm -hmm. in driving that shift from quantity to quality. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's no better opportunity than right now as organizations are looking to return to growth. Yeah. Everyone is, I mean, everyone's awake at this point. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it's both the double-edged sword, right? Yeah. Very thing that made marketing's job really, really difficult, harder than it ever was, is also the greatest opportunities for us to change the way our organizations perceive us and our role in that organization's growth. I want to pivot for a second in terms of the question around the book, not so yeah. much from what it's providing to the readers, because I do want people to dive in and like I said, we'll link to it. But you as a marketer yes. wrote a book and and you created that. And a lot of people who are Part of the dimension radio and tv community are marketers like you what would you share with them in terms of taking the ideas and experiences that you have the recipes you develop and putting that down because we could do a blog we could create some content most marketers will just lead and direct their teams and not create 
uh, content. I encourage people to do so, but I wanted to get your thoughts about being someone who's now, uh, you know, in a full-time role leading marketing, but taking the time to create a recipe. But what advice would you have to your peers and colleagues about taking that type of uh, an effort to con create content as well? Well, if they're not already bought into the value of doing that, I, the one thing I did take from this is um, if you need to explain it to someone and you can't do that simply, then you don't know it well enough. And so one of the great uh, benefits of really breaking this down and turning it into a book was that it definitely highlighted for me the areas where I needed to understand it better. Yeah. Be able to explain it. So that was, there was one benefit associated with doing that. The second is uh, really just getting clear on, you know, who it is that you are trying to help mm -hmm. and then break it down into just core building blocks. So thinking through its framework development, right? There are natural steps and strategies that you employ in different situations. Um, and so for me, it was just getting it very clear. What are those core phases? Yeah. And what are the key levers that you pull in each one of those phases? And what have you learned through the years as you have pulled those levers? What are the watch outs? What are the opportunities that maybe those of us that are so close to it miss yeah. because we're not necessarily looking for it. But um, that very first step is just recognizing mm -hmm. that there's an inherent value uh, and a service for your team by breaking it down simply. And then secondly, it's just breaking it down to its core building blocks. Let me ask you this question. Um, you know, I wrote my book and I had never written a book uh, before. So I'm curious to know your process. I'd love to share the process with listeners, because I do think it's a wonderful thing for people to write a book. Uh, it really forces the development of, of thought leadership and, and mastery. And I'm I'm curious if you, you know, share your process from kind of start to finish as a recipe for those that maybe want to create their, their own book. So it might be helpful to know that I had uh, kind of written a draft manuscript uh, a couple of years ago um, and it really was just that. I think uh, Scribe uh, actually calls it a vomit draft, so to speak. Yeah. You get all your thoughts out. And then from there, at least you have a body of content that you can then edit. Uh, when uh, March hit and it was very clear over that, that period of time that, you know, marketing as we knew it was going to have to significantly change, I basically had made a commitment that I was going to go back and once a week on weekends review each one of the chapters or each one of the modules within the framework and update it so it would be more relevant given all of the changes and shifts that had happened in 2020. Uh, then from there, I essentially uh, hired uh, editors that actually pushed it through three rounds of editing, uh, you know, basically taking it from what was probably uh, very high level thinking to a refined, you know, final manuscript. Like it. Uh, then, uh, you know, we, I outsourced the cover design. Actually, it was given to me as a gift. Nice. Um, and then it was a matter of the interior layout, which mm -hmm. was uh, also, you know, and you mentioned Canva. There are other resources like Fiverr and Upworks where you can obviously take different components of this or obviously work with a publisher 
to do the interior layout and then the converting into the different formats. So right. this book is available in, you know, with a hardcover, paperback, uh, different versions of, um, you know, eBooks, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that all required, uh, you know, layout essentially. Once it was finalized, then it was a matter of I worked with an agency to do everything from uh, the book description, book blurb, the Amazon, the distribution. Um, and there are providers out there if you decide yeah. to you know, do this from a self-publishing standpoint. Uh, overall, I would say that the, the actual development of the book, the chapter outline, I followed the scribe writing process. And then, um, you know, from a global distribution standpoint, working with Book Baby, um, I made a decision to self-publish yeah. because I wanted to own the IP long term, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want any, uh, you know, a, a publisher telling me how I could or could not uh, give away the book or use the framework. Right. Um, and so that was important. To me. And you didn't do it for the money either. So it was no, not at all. Yeah. There was no I, business it, it, plan that you need to create and tell a publisher, like, here's my marketing plan of how we're going to sell, you know, X number of right. copies of books. Yeah. I genuinely love, you know, earlier when you open up the, this particular podcast, you had mentioned that I, I'm a practitioner and I happen to write a book. I really do love being a marketing practitioner. I love leading my team. I'm a critical member of a, you know, a, a team that's really knee deep in a business transformation. It's extremely exciting, uh, but I really wanted to help other marketers. And I you know, know that this framework when applied um, and executed works yeah. and it, you know, 2020 was just shocking. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know about your background, Lisa, cause I've never asked you, but you know, I went to California public school. I didn't go to private school. Uh, English were not the classes that I had the greatest energy and passion from. I would super stress out on those writing assignments where you had to write structured documents, you know, with an opening and then your your three points and then a summary uh, and a conclusion. Then you had to have a paragraph for each point. Like all that structure felt, right. you know, really, really stressful to me growing up. And I just I just want everybody to know, like when you write a book, uh, you, you can make it your book and 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 make it your story and how you want to lay it out i went uh to amazon i was actually barnes and noble not the amazon bookstores but barnes and noble and when i did my book and i just looked at different formats and said you know what appeals to me how how big do i want the type what do i want the layout to look like how thick do i want the book i wanted to make sure my book was super approachable uh you know i remember my daughter reading all the twilight series and i was like wow how do you read a book that that's big but she liked to read that type of stuff and i wanted to make sure that if somebody physically saw my book, they'd be like, you know what, I could bang that out on a flight across the country. So there were some things that went on. I hope you guys are, are inspired two ways. One is to grab a copy of, of Lisa's book and to connect with her. I'm going to put those two together. Um, great person to have in your network and, and take her uh, approach to driving revenue and, and moving yourself away from being a cost center. But also consider that, you know, in the, in the time that you have, and we all can decide how we fill that time, uh, that you create content and take the recipes and knowledge that you have. We all consume a lot of content, but if you have thoughts, stories, even lessons of failure, so valuable to other people. And thank you so much, Lisa, for for creating Revenue Ramp. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to tell you about it, um, and I, I'm grateful for you, you know, having the opportunity to talk about how I approached it. Yeah, absolutely. Like when how I, I brought it to 
life. When I saw you uh, putting online that it was coming out on June 15th, as you know, I immediately reached out and said, let's talk about it. Because I was I was immediately drawn to, again, a practitioner writing a book, uh, you know, having walked in those shoes, uh, loved it. And also just excited to hear what a new framework was. And thank you for Ramp. Easy, easy to remember. Uh, where are you going on vacation since this is the last meeting of your day? So we are going to Miami. And it will feel a little bit like a staycation. We live in Florida now, but um, we wanted, I have uh, three kids that are under six. And so we thought we would make it a, um, you know, an easy destination to reach in a car. Uh, But we have lots of adventures planned, swimming with dolphins, different boat trips. So we're really excited about it. That's great. Awesome. Well, I will follow up with you off air. I want to get a few copies uh, for my team. Uh, for those of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, Lisa. That is going to do it for this episode. If you are one of the folks who have not clicked on that subscribe button in your podcast app, please join the Demand Gen Radio community. Click on subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for doing so. Click subscribe and maybe let some other people in your organization uh, know about these channels we have for education and knowledge for you. Love doing it. I have a second book in the work, uh, but I have not finished it. And maybe I will follow in Lisa's footsteps and get that done someday. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 